Hello, and welcome to Spotlight On, the podcast that brings together business leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts covering a range of topics. I'm Nicholas Barton, founder and CEO of the Barton Partnership. We're an award-winning executive recruitment and consulting solutions firm, providing permanent search and independent consulting services across strategy, sustainability, and M&A, data and analytics, and transformation and change. Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of our Women in Leadership podcast series. I'm Kieran Rosoda, Associate Director in our Transformation and Change Practice. Joining me today is Dipti Valuri, Head of Global Technology and Chief People Officer. Dipti was previously Group Transformation Director at Cushman and Wakefield, and prior to that spent many years at Accenture completing various business transformation and change programs. Welcome, Dipti. Thank you for your time today. We can kick off then. I thought the first question to ask was to get an overview of your career story today and how you've got to where you are today. Thank you very much for asking me to do this. I'm very grateful. In terms of my career, I was born, brought up in India, studied in India. And uh, one day I got a call from Accenture saying there's a role. I was just out of college and working in Standard & Poor. And they asked me to come in uh, for an interview with Accenture on a phone uh, video conference. And when I started doing the interview, they said the next round is in UK. I've never traveled abroad. I go to the interview and I remember the interviewer asking me. He turned out to be my mentor for many, many years, Gerald Fast. And he's asked me, so wait, I hope you're not traveling too far. And I said, no, actually, I'm coming from India. And he was in a shop. And uh, this was 17 years ago. And it started there. I was into management. Management consulting and my bread and butter is transformation, post MA, due diligence, operating model, uh, org redesign, uh, restructuring. So that's how I got into TAG now. That's my story. Uh, it's a good news story. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's really impressive as well to jump on a plane, land in a new country, and, and uh, start, you know, start a career. What's the biggest lesson you've learned in your career to date, you feel? For me, my own story tells me two things. One is grit and risk-taking ability. You need to believe that you will be able to do something you haven't done before. That takes a lot of grit. I think that's what A. And B is constantly assuring yourself, believing in yourself, being positive, bringing positive thoughts is what I would say for me is my biggest lesson. And the third one I always tell this to my team is being kind, uh, always helpful, uh, always not saying no, not in uh, the wrong way, but in a way that trying to do things you haven't done before. Don't say no, say yes, and then figure it out, like Richard Branson says. Is there a leadership lesson that you could share that you've learned that's unique to being a female leader? You know, one thing I have realized is constantly telling myself in a way uh, that unity in diversity, uh, I don't, uh, I feel like there are many things you can learn from your male colleagues and that you are as good, as strong, as committed, as mature, as balanced as great as men at work. So firstly, we need to take away all this negativity is what I believe. But what is for me, the single biggest lesson is, like I said before, is believing in you doing something you haven't done before uh, will get us to grow because nobody has done everything. The only way to progress in a career is doing something you haven't done. When you say it like that, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Harder though, I guess, to put it to practice. 
One of the reasons why I was really keen to have you on this podcast is that part of your role here is leading the change in diversity and inclusion. And we've had discussions about that in the past. What does inclusion mean to you? And how have your own experiences shaped your approach? Inclusion for me is being heard and ability to put your point across and that being listened to, no matter where you come from, who you are. I've been working with a number of colleagues from various backgrounds, various differences, but there's one thing that strikes me is you can always learn something new when you embrace the differences. We get skills that are complementary, thoughts that are unique, ideas that are more challenging, complementing capabilities as a team. And therefore, your measure as a team grows up. Uh, You become a high-performing team. Therefore, the ROI in the organization is super large. And you, you tap a potential you never thought you would as a group. And for me, that different voices, that different sounds of voices and ability to hear that is very, very key. So what, in your view, should business leaders be doing to nurture both a more diverse and a a more inclusive workforce, I guess? This is very easy to say. I think one of the hardest things to achieve is what I would call psychological safety at work. I think, again, being heard, which means you are able to firstly say what you feel, come up with ideas openly without fear, And therefore, you're heard and you celebrate the ideas that fail because it's okay to make mistakes. And I think that safe environment to bring in and people to have the courage, the grit to come out and say what you feel, I think it will get us more diverse, will get better ideas. And back to what I said before, will get the organization to perform better. This is very easy to say, is very hard to achieve because there are no measured parameters on psychological safety. It's constant. We need to work as an organization constantly. You started your career in management consultancy outside of the CPO type role. You've got the position as head of information technology at TAG as well. Can you share some observations around advancing to leadership in a fairly male dominated environment and what, in your view, businesses can do to improve the attraction and retention of female talent? You're quite in a unique role, really. I think the most common question I get from clients or vendors or friends, etc., is how are you doing the head of people and head of technology together? But imagine I was a CFO and finance and IT is as unique as HR and IT. Nobody would ask the question because we have seen it in the past. So it's very interesting that actually people do ask me uh, this question that just shows the biases, right, that we have in the past that is bringing out, oh, wow, HR and technology. Yes, of course, HR and technology. People process technology are a great triage, so why not, right? So firstly, I do see it a lot, not so much male or female. It's just It's different talent. And again, I would owe it to tag the fact that they were able to believe in me and took the risk. And I'm hoping I'm doing well, took the risk and chance to bring this together because they believed in the triage and that works. And for me, the the key thing the businesses can do to retain talent and female 
and bring in more female leadership, I think is believing in potential rather than performance. See my example, I've not done head of technology before and believing in that I think that for me is a key one. Second is pushing women to be more confident. I think we can do a lot. And even if we can do a lot as women, I think our risk-taking ability is slightly lower. We want to prove that we've done it before we take a chance and apply for a role or ask for a promotion or ask for a raise. While uh, one thing we can learn from the male colleagues is they look at their potential and go in and ask for whether it's a raise or a new role or applying for a different role in another organization, etc. I think for me, these are my two points I would say that we could do to improve is helping the women believe that they can do can take a risk second is we need to believe in potential not the performance you were recently invited to speak at the un global compact network business and uh, human rights summit where you spoke about advancing women's representation and leadership in business really interested to ask you to share some of your thoughts on this and how we can collectively work to drive representation at leadership level I think, again, this is a big journey and we need to consciously make efforts to change the parameters of what is success and what is defining what is a successful career. I think we'll need to change it. We'll need to change the definition of it. Success is not working 80 hours a week. Success is ability to balance work and a life and children and be a primary carer for parents, etc. For me, childcare vouchers at work, ability to have childcare at home, therefore working from home, flexi working, paternity leave so that your partner can take off while you can get to work is important. Constant training and mentoring is important. It needs to be mandatory, back to my previous points, to build confidence that women can take rest. Women can work on potential. Women can try new roles they've never done before. Doing a proper fit cap analysis in the organization to see by grade, by pyramid, by level, what kind of women representation is there and why. Because what I see is it's not an organization-wide training we need. We need, say, at the start level or at a mid-level or at a senior level. These are diff- And there are different trainings and there are different gaps. How we fill those gaps via solid training program is something I would say. Uh, Find the uniqueness in women leadership teams, find what works there and actually propagating this, uh, the CEOs, the senior leadership team saying, I have this woman who is brilliant in this and that's what worked for us as an organization, propagating news, positive news around the organization on how women have helped productivity, ROI, equity, using good news constantly. That'll build a more positive environment and back to confidence in other women. I mean, it's really interesting. Thinking about the pandemic and the fact that COVID has affected women in work disproportionately, I'd love to get your perspective about what we have to do when we return to the workplace to ensure women continue to progress? I think TAG's done a bit of work on uh, DEI. i I'm saying a bit of because it's a big 
journey. Uh, we are constantly uh, measuring now gender pay, you know, racial equality, age gap. We're trying to fill it in via metrics and we're trying to measure what our strategy should be via the metrics. What should we be improving? Where are the key areas of gaps and what should we be doing? Whether it's training, whether it's recruitment, whether it's talent retention, whether it is building employee loyalty, whether it's psychological safety. I think we are working on various metrics to measure it. Uh, we are also working on training for women via mentoring programs and tag futures and women's network that we're developing. We've improved our paternity care. We've improved our maternity. We've started a work coming back to flexi work schemes, no Friday meetings, etc. There's a lot of work that we are doing at tag, but I think the pandemic has taught us no matter where you are you can work which means there's another truth out of the pandemic no matter who you are and which background you can you come from you can deliver fantastic results if you're given that platform uh, i would say improve equality at paternity maternity leave so that women can come back to work if they choose uh child care our cost of child care is all over the place i don't think we can afford child care at the rate we are going therefore vouchers subsidies part time working coming back to women come back to work scheme is something i'm trying to work on uh so for women who didn't work for 3 years how do we help them come back what kind of trainings needed so it's a constant this is this is no different uh, i would say the pandemic is no different to what we need to do to bring back women to work and propagate that they are as good and awesome and what pandemic has shown us is actually there is a way out even working from home there is a way out that people wherever they are located can deliver great results therefore i would say pandemic has helped us think diversity a bit differently Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and finally, do you have any advice for the next generation of women starting out in their careers? First is setting out positive goals, uh, uh, both short term and long term. Not being afraid to visualize what you want to be. who you want to be saying it aloud again i would say my male colleagues talk about their career progression very easily i want to be this i want to be head of technology i want to take your job deeply men say it a lot more easily and it's amazing and i'm like wow you could say that you articulated that so firstly thinking big and thinking small setting positive goals little steps and also big ones talking about your dreams loud and clear to your mentor and coaches finding a coach inside and outside organization it is so critical also believe believe it in that we are equal having grit you will fail absolutely i have failed and i learned from it called up owned my mistakes owning them letting your boss know you own them and rectify them and also one more plea is male bashing is not the way forward equality is the way forward i think there's good and bad in all on in everyone it's how you ability to pick the good and being positive i think i would say and i already said it believing in potential believe in your own potential than worry about have you done it before Oh excellent Dipti that's just really fabulous hearing 
from you on this. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. It got me thinking on just what worked for me or what can others learn or see, you know, people who come out. We have a TAC Futures program, which uh, just university graduates, and we do this. And they ask, what is it? What do you do uh, different? And how do we get to be you? There's no one ingredient, right? There's no one just being there, right place, right time, constantly looking for opportunities, being confident, believing in it, learning constantly, having networking well, I think is another one that I don't do enough, by the way, hands up. I just, I'm heads down on so much going on. I think there's just so, there's no single ingredient. There's nothing that you can say that, but it's, if you want something, go out there to grab it. No, I definitely agree. I think one of the things when I've done some of these podcasts internally for other women coming through, I would definitely say networking is a big one. But I'm actually quite interested because you mentioned it's not just about internal networking. How do you find an external person to mentor you? Have you done that for yourself? So you, it depends on the level. Early on in my career, so I, when I was working with Accenture, uh, I was on a client site and I really liked the head of marketing at Unilever. And I worked on a Unilever program. So I begged him to death saying, I'll buy you coffee, please, please, please. And then he would meet me once in three months, things like that, right? Little things. Then I met this uh, person. Uh, she was working in Reckitt Bennett. Ben Kaiser. Now she's now AstraZeneca CEO Global. So it's more that as you work at a client site, you pick people. Even at Accenture, the people I worked for, I still call them saying, you know, I'm, I'm running this program. I have no idea. Don't give me an Accenture answer with margins on it. Just tell me, am I doing the right thing? And they'll do yes, no. So it's that I think holding on to your relationships is important. I don't do enough. I wish I could do more dinners, breakfast, not speaking about my work, but just learning. One thing I would say to my mentors, just tell me your experience. Tell me your last three weeks and I'll listen because I know his experiences I can learn. And uh, the other thing I told another of my coach was, tell me your top five mistakes, please. And what did you do to rectify? Give me all your bad failures. I want to learn from your failures because that's that's what a smart person do. We don't need to do the same wrong things, right? So I think that is another key thing I would say is learn from others' mistakes, be very smart and ask that question. So even coaching sessions, not about you, I would never ask about my situation. I always say, tell me your situation, which was your biggest client pitch. Why did you fail there? I tell the Accenture MD, I always say, did you lose to someone? I want to know why you lost. Was it price? Was it the methodology? What wrong did you do? Do you think in methodology? So you can pick and learn quickly, right? That's really interesting. I think one of the things I really liked that you said was just about celebrating the ideas that didn't quite make it, that failed or perhaps weren't right at that time because every idea is a good one it's just not the right time for that yeah and it's okay to give a bad idea you're at least speaking up right imagine not speaking up like this is back to women and men and the 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 genes we are made of they are not afraid to say the wrong things and I think we are so afraid of that I, I never in myself I'm still learning when I'm in a big board meeting I'm I really struggle saying my point and then in five minutes somebody does say that point and I'm like oh I thought about it five minutes 
earlier than you and I haven't said it and I lost the opportunity to say it. So there is a and many questions which I think are stupid when I say it the other person many times I face it the other person says that's a great question and I'm like why did I think that was a stupid question? You know, women always question everything in the head and don't say it out. Like, I, I, whenever I expect a reaction, they're going to say this was an easy one or this was a stupid question. They say, it's a great question, Deepthi. Let me think about it and come back. And I'm like, mm, thought it wrong again. You know, little things like that. It's a learning. I don't think there's an answer. I'm learning every day. You know, sorry, when I'm going to ask a question, which I think is stupid, I actually start with, I hope this is not a stupid question. Again, if you observe, no man says it, which is very interesting. That's what I feel like. I think instead of bashing, I think there's almost, I like to learn. I like to see, oh, that's how they said it. That's how they articulated it. In fact, when I like my boss's answers, I always text him and I said, I'm going to record this. Is that okay? And I would record it on my phone and how he articulated it. Because that is what, how you learn. Say, oh, that's how I say it, politically correct, the British way, which I tease him a lot because I'm so direct and I get it right. So there's no one way of learning. It's just pulling on everything, isn't it? And uh, yeah, it does come back to that confidence and just believing that actually you do have a voice and it does count and you should speak.